it going, what's happening, so on and so forth, and all that, and yep. Welcome to One Like Equals One Prayer. Uh, in case you haven't realized, this is a podcast. And it's actually a podcast where we talk about Christianity, religion, and other stuffs. In fact, I'd say we are the only podcast that's brave enough to talk about religion. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. I like... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. We're the only one. I like to think we're the only one. Absolutely. Yep. Which is great. Uh, Anyway, I'm Josh Krause, and I'm going to be hosting this mess of a show. On today's episode, we will talk about some heavy stuff, including abortion, birth control, and we're going to look at the question, can a Christian be child-free by choice? On a related note, we will also look at a recent Oklahoma adoption bill and the possible effect it may have on on potential adoptive parents. And now let's get on with our bad selves and allow me to introduce my fellow pals. First up, I've got a bad feeling about this. It's Cat of the Knuckles. How you doing? I am here. Moving on to the important people. It's a trap. (laughs) It's Mark Thornton. I'm stuck. Next coming to you straight from his house to your earlobe. Stay on target. Stay on target. It's Eric Latassi. What up? So, guys, what's happening? Anything new? We weren't here, like, two weeks ago. We were supposed to be. We didn't do a thing. I, I just realized what my intro was supposed to be as I read the rest of them. So, sorry, I missed the Star Wars reference. Okay. Definitely Star Wars. That's, that's new, is, you know... I have a bad feeling about this. Just sounded too generic. I didn't catch it at first. That's my bad. Yeah, what's, reminds me of a song. Isn't just Star Wars because I'm sure there'll be other Star Wars intros and references later on. There's specifically ones that have to do with when they're flying in space. Well, that's what the staying on targets for. Exactly. Yeah. My buddy uh, Jack Jack Porkins is his name. Just like shooting womp rats back home. That's right. Swamps. What? Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> What's the topic Mark's just like, I'm just going to say a random you know, word. Let's just get on. Let's just move. This is my contribution. Random words. Oh, my goodness. Swords. Don't worry. It's going to get lit. Are you guys enjoying the weather we're having? No. It's terrible. It's classic Michigan weather. It so, is. So, you know, it's I mean, 73 like, degrees on Thursday and then rain and terrible snow and crap on the rest of the way. We basically lost the right to like complain as Michiganders, but I'm still sad. Tornadoes. Not yet. Thank I don't think that's happened at all. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I really tried to be involved. I know. I'm proud of you. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that was a pathetic excuse for uh, banter as an opening, so we'll just move on. Um, all right. So on with the news. Uh, so there's uh, another recent interesting adoption related story I feel like that's all I have anymore just adoption stories like I don't know why I keep going to those was Mark Zuckerberg involved? no he wasn't but anyway so this is from NBC News Uh, it says gay rights advocates in Oklahoma launched a campaign Monday to stop a bill they say will codify the ability of religious-based adoption agencies to discriminate against same-sex couples seeking to adopt. Faith-based groups, including the Catholic Conference of Oklahoma and the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, are among those pushing Senate Bill 1140, which would protect child-placing agencies that block adoptive parents who do not meet the agency's religious or moral standards. 
Freedom Oklahoma Executive Director Troy Stevenson said the bill would deny children the right to a loving family. We've got 9,000 young people in the system who are looking for loving homes, Stevenson said. We're going to keep more kids in the system and less families from adopting. Stevenson said it would also allow agencies to discriminate against single parents, divorced people, or interfaith couples. Oklahoma law currently is silent on where whether private adoption agencies can discriminate against potential adoptive parents, and some faith-based agencies already do not allow gay couples or single people to adopt. The bill would protect the practice from a potential lawsuit, said Senator Greg Treat, an Oklahoma City Republican, the bill's sponsor. We want to build the levy before the flood, Treat said. Right now, there are no pending lawsuits, but we know they are popping up everywhere all around the country. What about having more in our... What about having a bill where there's more, uh, what's it called, requirements for even married couples? Because right now, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm sure you can find some stories. Not all, I'm not saying not all people are bad, but there are some bad stories out there. About oh we can adopt you so now they're like you, like some people I've heard are abused like their adoptive parents abuse them like what how can they minimize that I don't know like are they this is a serious question getting through to being eligible for adoption takes like interviews and like people yeah. actually come inspect your home and stuff yeah um, so like I would say like I don't know if a new law is the solution to every problem. Um, it's a very Republican thing to say, but less government sometimes is better. And so, like, in the case of, like, trying to prevent people from adopting if they're unfit, I think that if the existing laws in the books were followed well by social workers, that should weed out, like, not every case, but really darn close. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't think writing more laws every time something slips through is the best response, because you're never going to have 100% accuracy like to me i don't i don't understand this this law because i yes i'm a religious person but i'm not like in my mind that's like trying to control what other people want to do like even like they're apparently also trying to take away single parents like what 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 um story makes a single i i understand having like a group group is probably the best option what who's to say that a single parent can't raise a child as well? Yeah, well, I don't, it's, it's not necessarily saying that that is the case. It's saying that the bill would potentially give. So if there's so, like a lot of um, these agencies are ran by religious affiliation or religious organizations. Yeah. So according to that agency's standards, they can make it say like, hey, we only want, you know, male and female married couples yeah. adopting our kids. So if they like... Let's say, like, you know, Bob wants to go adopt a kid, but he's, you know, is a single guy. They could potentially turn him down because they, they don't meet their religious criteria of who, what a prospective parent couple would be. Right, but why, why, this is my, my, my question. I don't feel like you should make it rules. To, obviously, there's a lot of people, a lot of children that need to be adopted as it is. Why are you trying to make it harder? And that's what this one guy, I think, who's kind of arguing against the bill is saying that, um... Yeah, I just I, I don't know that I agree with turning away people just based on religious affiliation or sexual gender identification, anything like that. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think if they're good people and they're going to provide a loving home, like why wouldn't we take these kids out of the systems and out of the group homes and out of things like that and put them in an actual home with people who care and actually want to take care of a kid? 
I, I think that argument holds a lot of water if it's a public hmm. adoption agency. True. I think that it's it's much harder to defend that if you're talking about private adoption agencies. Okay. For instance, if something happened and I had to put my child up for adoption, sure. I would want to be able to say, I would like a Christian family to adopt my kid. And I would like the private adoption agency I go through to be able to say, no, we really need a Christian family because that was the wish of the parent. Okay, but, but what about in the instances where there is no parent or the parent is a drug user or beats their kid or something? Well, then how did the kid end up in a private adoption agency instead of with CPS? I, I mean, what I'm saying is there, there's an assumption I'm making that if the kid is being placed in a home by a private adoption agency, yeah. somebody made the decision to choose that agency besides the state. You're saying the parent chose this, the The parents or the grandparents or the family, extended family. Isn't there... When I was in the fostering thing, though, I thought there was agencies that were involved that simply were just displacing agencies and had... And, like, so the mm-hmm. county work would attach... Would contact the place of the agency and say, hey, we need foster, a foster parent for this kid... And so technically the county is still um, responsible, still has custody of the kid, but the placing agency, all they do is just find prospective foster parents for that kid. Well, then in that case, I would say it's up to the state then to have agencies in place to do what the state wants to do. Okay. What this, is, what this says to me is that if you want to be an adoption agency in America and laws like this protecting the rights of adoption agencies to be choosy about adoptive parents say those laws protecting that right, whether you even believe it's a right, don't exist. Adoption agencies must, you know, put child, children up for adoption to any home that is um, wholesome, you know, and is not allowed to discriminate based on religious beliefs. What you've just done is you've ensured that there is no legal way besides private adoption for a family to say, we can't raise our child, but we want someone of our faith to raise our child. Because every adoption agency is now regulated by the government and required to put the child up for adoption for a family that could be against the original family's wishes. Like, there, there needs to be some way for this agency to say, look, if you place a child for adoption with our agency, these are the people we are looking for for adoption. Okay. And because right now that right exists if the parents are alive. You know, the parents are allowed to choose. We would like this family. Right. You know, this, you have to sign over parental rights. And so until that happens, you do have the right to choose where your kid lives to a certain extent. And this feels like you're trying to erode that right. If you if you disallow that. What do you think are the instances that a child would be removed from the home to begin with at that point? How but, much? It, no, but adoption agencies are not exclusively for kids that were removed from unfit homes. Okay. Yeah, all right. There are a lot of cases of voluntary adoption as well. Okay, yeah, you're and right. There needs to be a mechanism where someone can voluntarily put a child up for adoption and have criteria for the type of family the kid is placed with. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. You that could ma- say that, like, as a whole, you know, the agency is not allowed to just not even keep files for those people. You know, if you've got an adoptive parent that doesn't meet 99% of the criteria, but the state sometimes says, hey, can you place this child? You need a list of people who are qualified to take the kid. So I could see passing a law requiring every adoption agency to keep records of every application. Okay. But as soon as you start telling adoption agencies, you must place 
with everyone equally, you've just removed any choice that the original biological family had. I, I can't get on board with that. Okay. I, I'm, I'm for the choice. I, that's why I don't necessarily like this. That's, that's why I, yeah, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree. Like, I agree with the choice because, like I said, I have a choice to do what I'd like. And even though I may disagree with other people, it's their choice to do whatever they like as much as I disagree. Do you think in some way, though, this is going to limit... I mean, obviously, this is mostly just applying for a private. This is applying to private adoption agencies. But do you think, as a whole, like let's say this passes, which I don't probably won't, but it might. Um, let's say it passes. Do you think this is one step closer than to like on a bigger scale limiting adoption as a whole to specific criteria or specific groups of people? Isn't it already? Do you think it's one criteria? step? There's a it's a very crazy extensive background. I mean, yeah. it's like ridiculous. They ask you most absurd questions, like mm-hmm. who did you date in like the tenth grade or something, like stuff like that. Before I had to fill out those forms. Oh, wait, are you serious? Like they ask you that? Yeah, they oh, do. Yeah. They, do. They, ask oh you stuff. they ask you some. They ask you crazy stuff. Invasive. Yeah. Who did you date in tenth grade? I don't even know. <laughs> no I one. I wasn't alive. No one. Uh, but no. I was a lonely child. I mean, I don't think you can appeal the slippery slope in this case. All right. I mean. If your argument is people are going to abuse their choice, so they shouldn't have any choice ever. Yeah. Like, that's just a false dichotomy. There's a lot of room in the middle. Okay. Eric, what do you think? You're quiet. They don't like it. I don't really have much of an opinion. Fair enough. Great. Glad you're here. Glad you could be with us today. Uh, Eric Matassi, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) part of the podcast, even though you don't know it. Um, I feel like... I feel like it's six in one and half a dozen of the other, really, and that's an old person saying, but. It's a good one, though. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I agree. I don't have super strong feelings about this. I'm just trying to be interesting. I think, like, I think, <laughs> I think the saving grace is the fact that it is, it is the idea that it is for the private agencies. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's, I think I'm okay with that only because of that reason. Or let's say I'm not, like, totally against it. Yeah. If it's. Oh, if, my goodness. Yeah. If this were for, like, state-run adoption, like, we're going to not allow... Which would never... I don't think that would ever happen or even make it to, like, like, you know, the Senate House or whatever this goes to. I don't know, but... This world is crazy. Yeah, I I think we all agree that would be awful. Yeah. So, on a similar note, dealing with children and babies and all of the small, tiny people and things, today's question is controversial. In nature, and is a topic that definitely has people divided. If we were just to take the Bible out of context, we could look at Genesis 1.28 for our answer, which says, Be fruitful and multiply. But does that still apply to today? Is abortion and birth control wrong from a Christian perspective? And more importantly, is it wrong for Christians to choose to be child-free? As I open the floor for the bed. Um, yeah, I guess just to preface this a little bit, uh, I didn't know, but I guess there's a, there's like a thing, this is a thing, I guess, uh, like some sort of movement that people, like, actually, like, I don't know, they do like a hashtag thing and they do hashtag child free and then there's some sort of reference to like being without kids. I didn't know we that have was a, more money and more yeah, free time. Yeah, exactly. You don't have kids. That's just funny to me. I didn't know that was a thing, but yeah, apparently it's a thing. This is awesome. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. 
and I, and I did a little bit more research and a reading and a little more Wikipedia because that's that's the only place I get knowledge anymore or ever. But um, as um, and I guess like there's a big controversy because in like I think like a year or two ago there was some Time magazine, the front cover of Time magazine, which who reads Time, but uh, was like a man and a woman on a beach enjoying, and it said something about like uh, you know live life child free or something, and. Um, so I guess there's just been more in the media, I guess, lately there's been more attention to this idea of, you know, living specifically without having children. And I guess it's it's interesting to look at that from a Christian perspective, I guess, because and if you look at the Old Testament, it seems pretty clear that that's one of the things we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be making babies, I guess, because that's basically what every, that's what everybody did back then all the time is make babies and all of the Old Testament and with concubines and thousands of wives and all that. So, but we put that in a modern day perspective, is it okay to be, to be a Christian or a Christian couple or what have you and say like, hey, we're okay with not having kids. That's not really something that we're really planning to do. Like, is that, is it okay to be that way? Like you, you, you opened up a lot of uh, things there, Josh. Yeah. That's uh, a, yeah. For starters, like if we're going to talk biblically, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course it's okay. We're talking like kids back then were, I mean, okay. Let's, let's start from the beginning here. As a male in an agrarian society, I would basically have multiple women and the reason being is I need as many field hands on deck as I possibly can. So I'm going to make a bunch of kids to get like to take care of this land I'm taking care of. So, and, and in, other, in other words, kids are basically like my monetary <laughs> livelihood. They're, they're what keeps my family name going and that I own more things and I have to take care of more things. And land is basically the monetary value. Whereas today, uh, you know, money is my monetary value and, so we're, we kind of have a, a little bit different aspect of it if we're going to talk about economy-wise. Um, I, as, as far as do I think it's okay to, for people not to, to have, not have kids, of course I think it's okay. I mean, I mean, as we can already tell from our first thing that we already talked about, which was adoption agencies, I mean, that I think is a huge example of why some people should not have kids. I'll stop here in case if anybody wants to say anything, but... No, no one wants to say anything else at the show for today. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> yes! Eric covered it pretty good. No, Eric spoke, yeah. and that was yes, that. That's all we need. That's, he showed up today. That's great. Proud of him. Um, well, I mean, other than that, I mean, as far as... Uh, should, I mean, are you going to ask more about birth control, or do you want me to keep going about this biblical versus my dollar versus should people have kids? I mean... I think we have a lot of deadbeat parents out there that show that we probably not everybody should have a kid. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to approach it from the idea that we're quote-unquote Christians here, and so what would a quote-unquote good Christian do? Would they have kids or not? And then eventually I want to get to some of the more heavier stuff, which would be the birth control and talking about abortion and those such things. Okay, um, so as far as far as Christianity is concerned, I think... And this is going to sound like a very cliche Christianese answer, but they ought to just be doing what God wants them to do. I think half the time we worry so much about who we're going to be dating, who we're marrying, how many kids we're having, that we forget our actual own identity. 
And then what happens later down the line is, oh my gosh, I'm a father or mother of three and I want to do other things or I want to see other people or I want to do all this other stuff. And people don't realize that you're not, your identity is not in having kids or doing all these things, you, you know? So I think people are asking the wrong question. Like, am I a Christian for having kids? That's bull crap. That's a very bull crap way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I feel like maybe not so much now, but de- I mean, even probably now, but definitely like 20, 30 years ago, I feel like in Christianity, it was very much expected that if you're married, you're going to be producing an heir at some point in the near future. And I say heir because I like that, the way that sounds, but it sounds, <laughs> it kind of goes with what I'm saying though. I feel like it's this idea that like, you're supposed to be producing. Like if you're not, there's something wrong. You're a Christian. You should be having kids. Like I can remember growing up in my church. This is a real story. Real. This is a real thing. Like no one produ- no one practiced my my childhood church. No one practiced birth control or anything like that. So like everybody had like a million kids. Like uh, the woman would just be she'd be pregnant. She'd have a kid. Then the next time you see her, oh she's pregnant again. She's having another kid. And people were literally bragged about like. I know there's some verse in like Psalms or Proverbs where it talks about your quiver full. And so everybody would literally talk about like, I've got a full quiver of arrows and my kids are arrows. And when they grow up, they're going to be missionaries in different worlds. And I'm going to shoot my kids out like quivers, like an arrow all across the world. And they're going to go and spread the gospel. This is real life. This is what the people talked about. And then you have children in your church. Would you get kicked out? Wait, what? If you didn't have children in your church, you'd get kicked out. This is a legitimate question. Uh, I don't know about that, but I mean, it, was definitely, it was definitely expected. And I get Just, it's kind of the extreme. But then you take someone like, you take a group of people, you take someone like the Duggars, right? And like, oh, we've got 19 kids and counting. And like, I mean, it's just this idea that, and I don't want to say having kids is bad. I have kids. I mean, most of the three or four of us here have kids. I mean, we're not saying that. I'm just saying, I feel like it's always been pushed on people this idea that as a Christian, you're supposed to be having a kid. And if you're not having a kid, there's something wrong with you. Either whether it's spiritually or, you know, mentally. It's, it's, it's this idea I feel like it's pressed on people that you need to be having, you need to be reproducing somehow. No, I get it. That's from, uh, that is from the psalm. I think it's the same psalm that says, unless the Lord builds it, they labor in vain, which is a sweet line. Um, but as far as, should you have a full quiver because I'm getting outgunned by Muslims or I'm getting outgunned by other denominations? That's silly. Absolutely silly. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, now, they might be, I can understand if they want to go along the lines, like if you are, per se, like maybe Catholic or something that really does not believe in harming life and you want to go that route, then we can go this route and go right into birth control and say, hey, what's really going on here? Let's get into the science of it. Um, and if are we, and this is going to sound a little bit crude, but if we're going to sit here and talk about all life being sacred and we can't like harm sperm or <laughs> harm eggs, then any time that you have a wet dream, you're basically sinning, which I think is absolutely nonsense as well. Um, but I mean, hey, if someone wants to argue with me about it, let's, let's go toe to toe. But it's, I mean, scientifically, it just doesn't make any sense at all to sit there and say that. Um, you brought up another point, but I'm trying to think uh, about that. But it sounds like a lot of what you're saying has to do with uh, birth control. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Um, 
but also, I mean, this this is the ability that some people just can't, you know, they try and they try and some people just can't have kids. So at that same point, you're putting those press that pressure on those people. These um, this like they're saying that their identity should be in the fact that they have kids and they can't necessarily meet that requirement, even though they might be trying physically. It's just not possible for them. So how are you going to hold them to the standards that you're going to hold other people to? That this this is a physical requirement that they can't meet for whatever reason. You're still going to hold them to the same standards. That's not right, I don't think. You guys are entertaining. No, I, I agree with that. I don't think you should be able to hold, like, people to those standards. Like, why are you not having kids? There must be something wrong with you. Well, I think there's something wrong with, like, the majority of people who are having kids who aren't being diligent parents. <laughs> so, sure. I mean, if we're going to argue that route, too, that's, again, I I stand by that we ought to really consider whether or not we really want to be a parent. Uh, for that, for but as far as the birth control concern goes, I mean, if they if they want to attack because they're not pro birth control, I mean, in a sense, I, you know, when you some of these people who can't have kids or even people who can have kids but they have trouble, what often happens is they have stillbirths or they'll have or the body will just you know gets rid of it because the process isn't working. Sure. I mean. Are we going to argue that we're sinners because our bodies automatically killed the kid because it wasn't going to work out? Right. I don't think so. I mean, I can't sit there and say, hey, body, listen up, you uh, you screwed the pooch. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You're, no one has control over that. Right. I guess I'm a little dumbfounded. I think a lot of people who argue against birth control or argue against a lot of these different things haven't really thought everything through. And it's really hard to put yourself in that position when you have been told often that you need to make more kids and that you can't practice any birth control. And I mean, th- this is a, a very huge can of worms too. Um, and Kevin hasn't said anything and good boy, I guess. <laughs> if, if he, uh, Cause I'm going to really open it up. I mean, let's be honest. Some of these people, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I were a woman, I would not want to have 20 kids. I I just, I kind of, it really damages your body. It can ruin your body. I mean, part of me kind of thinks too that, I mean, and not every single case. I know I'm sure a lot of women love having kids and they would just keep having them as some women, but not all women. And I think in some instances, in some areas of the church, and I'm being very tiptoe now, uh, men are probably just wanting more kids and then they just make their wives go through with it regardless if they want to go through it or not. I think it's an interesting point. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I think uh, that kind of brings us maybe a little bit closer to the birth control topic of discussion. Um, I don't know, Kevin, you've been very quiet on this subject. I know you have some Strong opinions. Strong, I was gonna say you probably have some strong opinions on this, just because it's some things that I know you've gone through. I don't know how much in depth you want to get into, just from your own personal experiences. But I mean, me knowing your story, I know mm-hmm. I, you can relate to most of this, if not all of this. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like speaking as a guy who was in ministry, um, married young according to national standards. I was 21. Um, my wife and I started trying to have kids probably about two years into our marriage. And for five years, we were completely unsuccessful. Um, 
probably this unspoken, well, far too often spoken expectation that good Christian couples have kids. Um, it is a really harmful thing if you throw the doors open for everyone to comment on uh, any couple's procreation or lack thereof. Um, before we came out and started telling people we were having difficulty conceiving, people were really insensitive in the way they talked about it. Uh, they'd be like, well, it's about time. Come on. Like right. they'd ask if I needed help figuring out how things went. Like it was, <laughs> it was rude, even if we weren't going through issues. And the fact that we were having trouble conceiving just made it rude and insensitive and really infuriating. Yeah. Um, there was somebody at one of the churches I worked at that when we moved there, we had at that point started sharing that, you know, well, yeah, we have, we've been having difficulty conceiving and this is something we've really been praying about and it's really kind of painful. They said, oh, well, don't worry. Every pastor who comes to our church has kids before they leave. So you're guaranteed to have kids while you're here. And spoiler alert, we didn't. Um, but it's just that kind of a thing where... I've been quiet so far because I really don't want to get into other people's business. Um, I don't sure. want to say this is what everyone should do. I don't want to say, you know, for you couple out there who's listening to our podcast, all like 30 of you, you know, I'm going to tell you when and how you should have kids or if you should have kids. Cause frankly, it kind of pissed me off that everyone did that to me before right. they even knew we were having trouble and before they even knew what the situation was. So, to answer the question that we've been asking is, is not having children selfish? Well, obviously, if you're trying to have kids and you can't, not having kids is not your fault. And right. It's not your problem. And anyone who makes you feel like it's your problem is just an awful human being. Um, and as far as making the conscious decision to not have kids, I feel like having kids for the wrong reason is far worse. <laughs> like... God expects that we are generous and that we give in the old Testament, you gave to the temple or to the Levites in the new Testament, you shared with the church and you were giving to the church and to those who are in need. God says, if you're giving though, like I value cheerful givers who are giving out of love, not out of obligation. You know, in the old Testament, he says, if you're going to offer sacrifices, your heart better be in the right place first. Otherwise I could care less about the sacrifice, you know? So if you got parents who are like, well, I feel like I should probably be a parent because that's what good Christians do. I guess I'll have a kid. I have a feeling that God is probably a little like, <laughs> like, what the heck are you doing? Like, why, why, no, why would you think that that's what Can I we want? Say that's one of the worst reasons I think of if a person should have kids is because they think that's what they should be doing. I just want to say that's probably a terrible reason to have kids. Yeah, the only reason I can think of that is worse is we better have kids because our marriage is having trouble. And so yeah. the kid will fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just incredibly <laughs> frustrating to think that people are not paying attention to the fact that you are creating another human being. And however, like, however you think about that, there needs to be an element of awe that goes into that. Right. It's not just having a kid because it's what you do. It's not telling other people that they should have kids because it's just what you do. You should be a little bit afraid of having kids. You yep. should do it carefully and yeah. think about it. Am I really ready for this? And the answer is spoiler alert again. No, you're not, but that's okay. <laughs> Nobody is, but like, are you ready to do and sacrifice everything you can 
for this tiny human because you are their parent and that's what you're called to do as a parent. Right. Yep. You know, any other way of having kids is just crap. Kevin is right on the money with this. Um, as a personal thing, like for me, I, and I, I hate to interject, but, or whatever, but like when I found out that I was having, uh, my son Emmett, that was probably the scariest thing ever because how am I going to teach someone to be a man, which I still haven't figured out how to do that yet, how to be the best man you can be. And I, I rather, I really wanted a daughter because I was like, well, you know, I could just love my daughter and, <laughs> You know, I don't have to teach her how to be a woman, but that's even not true. Yeah, you can teach her to be a woman pretty good, Eric. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty, uh, I got the long hair going. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely locks. I mean, For those of you who have never seen Eric, he has the opposite of long hair. Almost bald. <laughs> Mark's so yeah, bald. but I, I mean, as far as <laughs> teaching my, my daughter Violet to be a woman, I mean, I don't obviously teach her to be a woman, but I have to teach her that this is what's expected as a man. No, yeah. For you, like you know, you don't don't take a, a man that's garbage. Take a man that's willing to you know lay down his life for you. Yeah, there's more responsibility. I think, like maybe if you're the same same gender as far as parenting a kid. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm gonna cut you off, Josh. That's so, fine. like, when it comes to this, though, like I think Eric and I, this is happening more frequently, and it's surprising me, but I like it. We're on the same page, you know, like, (laughs) I agree. No, like, but you look at this situation and like every single question that we've sort of got planned that we maybe might ask about the course of this podcast, like you could look at it and just say, okay, if I'm approaching having a kid or procreation or whatever with this sense of awe and responsibility, would I do this thing? If the answer is no, then don't do that thing. Sure. And if the answer is yes, then it's probably good. So you should go do that. Like, you know, like it's being a parent is a responsibility and it's a big one. And it's one you're probably not fully equipped to handle. So you better start praying. You know, like if you've got that kind of a mindset going into being a parent, you're probably gonna be all right. What about the mindset that you didn't mean to have a kid and you ended up with one, which leads us to birth control and contraceptives and also leads me to how I had my firstborn because (laughs) me and my wife were not trying to have kids and we ended up with a kid anyway. Funny story. Let me tell you about it. Not really. That's the end of the story. All right. Let's say go on, John. Tell us your experience. Tell us in great detail. Of having a child, like. Oh God. We're all all here uh, for it. Josh, according to abstinence education, uh, there's only one way (laughs) to have a child, and if you were not doing that, you know, if you were avoiding not doing it, well. Yeah, failed. Yeah, if only I was doing that. Well, I was homeschooled, so yeah, we didn't believe in sex ed in homeschool. <laughs> sex ed was us talking about Adam and Eve in the beginning <laughs> and how, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and how Cain probably married his sister, if you believe that. You know, it's that situation right there that makes me not mad at Planned Parenthood even a little bit, you know? Right there. Right, right. right there. Because when it comes down to it, Christian people are on average, very bad at teaching their kids sexual ethics. Yeah. I I think that sexual ethics and reproductive ethics and bioethics and all of those things 
need to go far deeper than yeah. these things are okay, these things are not. Now shut up and sit down. Yeah. You know, like if that's the way you teach, you're an awful teacher. And that that is true for any subject, especially morality, but it's true for any subject. Um, and this is a topic that we're going to hit on another at, at another point, another episode, is like the idea of that, like, I mean, what you're saying basically is that Christians are very bad at explaining sex, essentially. Yeah. And I think because of that, we see, we get this idea that there's almost a lot of shame that goes around, goes around and involves around sex as a whole. Absolutely. As far as from a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is like, not to advertise, but that's something we're going to talk on another episode because it's very important. It's a big deal. I think that'll be a very good episode. Hopefully, I want it to be a healing type of episode. And I don't know how you could do that, but... Yeah, yeah I don't know how either, but... Someone, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, there's been situations in the past where, you know, like a kid will come into a youth group event that I was running and, you know, currently sexually active, bisexual, experimenting with all sorts of things that the church would normally just shudder and walk away from. You know, and like, how in the world (laughs) am I supposed to show Christ's love to her? If the first word out of my mouth when I'm talking to her about things is, by the way, guess how awful you are. You're doing it wrong. You know, like, seriously, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's ridiculous that we think that telling people and cataloging their sins is somehow loving. Yeah. But yet, every time I talk to somebody who does that and thinks it's loving, they will defend that to the death and say, oh my goodness, how could I not share with them? Right. That would be evil of me not to confront them immediately. And I'm like, are you That sounds serious? like another podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. it does. Well, it's, it's just, I mean, it's a very Christian thing to say, like, well, how my do, intentions... evangelize? My intentions are good. Mm-hmm. I love this person. But the fact you're being a garbage person by what you're saying, no one hears your intention. They hear the words that are... Well, and, and here's, here's the crux of the issue that I think makes them think that way. They are so afraid of sin that they don't think they have time to be loving to those who are sinning. Yeah. They think that you need to convince someone to stop sinning first. Right. And then you can be loving to someone. The idea of loving someone and that a loving Holy Spirit on his own time to convict them of sin is just abhorrent to them. The idea that I could love someone while they're sinning. I mean, after all, I never sin. Newsflash, that's not how Jesus did it. Right. You know, like, yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. When we get so far off topic. <laughs> when you went to the bathroom. Uh, when you went to the bathroom. It's because we didn't want to we... waste our good stuff while you were gone. We wanted Aww, you to be a part of it. That's right. Thanks, so we just guys. started riffing on stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, um. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, birth control. So, yeah, I think. Gonna talk about Onan or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get to that question. I'm trying. I was just trying to figure out how I really wanted to get into this, and this is probably the best way. Okay, so in Genesis 38, uh, I don't know why I have the chapter reference in there, but I do anyway. I mean, that it's in Genesis. I guess you can say that's just as relevant. But uh, there's a guy uh, named Onan, which is a funny name. Uh, he's his brother dies, and then based on the law back then, he gets inherited his, his brother's wife, 
which is Tamar, right? Tamar, which is kind of a funny law. Like, can you imagine that going on today? But I like to inherit. Too. That's a horrible like, inheriting a wife. Let's just talk. Let's just think about that for a minute. But well, Onan was really unenthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, so anyway, the Bible is uh, it's a little graphic here, and um, basically it says like. So, you know, he goes to do the deed, supposedly, with her, and then, like, he doesn't want to have any kids with her because he's afraid that, you know, when he dies, they're going to inherit all his stuff. He just wants his own, his real, quote-unquote, real kids to get his stuff. So, what happens is he, quote, I'm putting this, I'm doing air quotes, he spills his seed on the ground. So, people take this to air marks, marks nodding his head, which is great. So, uh, people then take this, and then, of course, um, so after he does this, God's, you know, the good old Old Testament God, he's real mad, and uh, so he kills Onan dead. And uh, people take this to mean that, you know, that uh, Onan was preventing pregnancy from happening. And because of that, uh, people take this to mean that contraception is wrong, that God is totally against it and then he might you know kill you if you use it or something i don't know what they teach that probably not but mm. those people who want to like lift that story in isolation uh really need to finish reading the chapter because if we're going to use genesis 38 as a model for righteous behavior when it comes to sexuality and what god does and doesn't approve of um tamar after not getting pregnant by onan uh then dresses up as a prostitute uh, tricks her father-in-law into having sex with her and keeps his his staff and his cloak or something like that as collateral and then like disappears before he could pay her the next day right and so then when she gets pregnant they're all like oh my goodness Tamar's a whore we better stone her and then she brings out the staff and she brings out the cloak and was like oh by the way the kid is Judah's because y'all were stiffing me huh, out of having my own kid so I decided to sleep with Judah because he'd sleep with prostitutes, but he wouldn't do his duty as a male relative of my husband's family to give me the air I deserve. At which point Judah goes, yep, point taken, my bad, you're cool, sorry for not giving you the kid the right way earlier. So if we're going to take Genesis 38 as a model for what the Bible says is correct in, when it comes to sexual ethics... The Bible says, according to Genesis 38, if we take this as a model, it is perfectly legitimate for a woman whose husband passes away and she doesn't have kids yet to trick her father-in-law into giving her said child by dressing up as a prostitute. It's pretty awesome, actually. I love that story. It's a good one. I mean, I guess... I, uh, I, was, I, was say, I also think that uh, if you really want to look at it, too, I mean, granted, it, we're all doing a reading here, but I mean... Sure. You know, spilling semen on the ground, and then, you know, what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Now, that the Lord put him to death because he did not have kids, and he should have had kids, and that's the whole purpose of, you know, doing it? Or is it is he also, is it because he put Tamar in a position to where she's got to actually be a whore in order to survive? I mean, he's definitely taking advantage of Tamar. Right. I mean, if he oh, wanted yeah. to refuse to have a child by Tamar, he could have refused in public and allowed her to go find another person to provide her an heir. But by saying he would in public and then in private, enjoying all the benefits of sex with none of the responsibility, you know, I think that's what God was angry with. And that's, I think, the actual point of this story is that when you divorce the selfish, enjoyable parts of sex from the responsibility parts of sex and the relationship that it needs to be a part of, like then 
that's something that is is wrong. It's it's disjointed. It's not what it ought to be. Right. Sex should not be something cheap you do for fun. It should be something as part of a a relationship and a responsibility. Um. I yeah. This kind of go back to what you're saying a little bit. I think there, you might you can definitely get into some sticky situations too. No pun intended. Uh, but. <laughs> But um, uh, we, got PG, we just got PG thirteen real quick. But um, no um, when you take some, you know, when you're when you're looking at something like, oh, how should we do sex or whatever, you know, or moral, you know, sexual moral guidelines of looking at characters in the Bible is maybe not the best idea. Let's take Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan, the Bible for example, King David. He saw a hottie with a body in a bathtub, and because of that, he took her for his wife and killed her husband and messed up the whole country, basically, because of this. So I'm just saying you need to be careful when you're looking at, you're using, like, just, you know, characters in the Bible as a guideline for how we should, you know, be sexually moral. Well, and the question, too, is, like, do you think that all of Scripture is meant to be taken out of context as individual isolated statements and all equally true? Or is there a narrative and a development that is only really obvious when you look at all of scripture as a whole? Right. You know, like there's a reason the patristic authors and the patristic theologians saw the Old Testament only through the lens of the cross. You know, and so if you want to read the Old Testament and not consider Christ at the same time, you're going to get some really warped things coming out the other side. Um so whatever we read in the Old Testament, it needs to be complementary and it needs to flow out of and through and needs to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not complementary, whatever. It needs to work with the idea that God is love. And so when you see things in the Old Testament that seem like they're advocating for a God that is not love, right? Like there, there's something else going on there. You need to, you need to work harder. Don't just take it on the surface and go, well, you know, God says that we should go genocide people who don't like us. So onward, you know, like. Right. The Crusades were not a victory for Christianity. Not so much. Okay. I don't know if we answered that question at all. I mean, it's kind of a springboard. I don't know. No, I don't think condoms are bad. Okay. Now we've answered the question. Good. All right. I. Yeah. Yay. I don't think anyone on the call thinks condoms are immoral, right? I don't think we're all, so. We're all in pretty much agreement on that, right? I mean, that, that's because, I mean, the church, for the most part, doesn't teach that. Right. For the most part. I don't think condoms are bad. I don't think... Uh, I think they're terrible, but I don't, I don't think they're <laughs> bad. I think they're bad. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're not talking about using them. We're talking about using them. But I I don't think birth control is necessarily bad either. I'm not a huge fan of the morning after pill. Okay, so that's that's a good segue because I did want to talk a little bit on abortion. And I know this is is a very – this is a situation – this is a topic where I feel like you have to be very careful when you talk about it just because there's a lot of hurt that goes with it. We're all men here, so do we really have any authority at all to even talk about it? I not mean, really. Not really, I feel like. But, yeah, so that's probably, like, yeah, the birth... So if, if you're going to lump... I mean, do you do you lump in the morning after pill with abortion? I mean, there's a lot of different opinions on that, I think. Is it the same thing? I don't know. I guess it depends on when we get into the subject of 
when does when does life start? Does life start immediately at conception? Uh, the church would teach that, if I'm not mistaken, in general, right? So anything at that point is technically murder. Yes and no. It's still a really gray area. I think it's a big jump from life begins at conception to the morning after pill is murder. Okay. All right. You yeah. You can't okay. say that if you believe one, then the other is also what okay. you believe. I just, saying, I just know most, there's a lot of camps where people would say it is the same thing. Yes. And I'm not saying it's the same thing, but I, there are people who would say that. And I would say, I don't want to say most Christian groups would say that. Well, if you're an American right-wing evangelical circle, yes, yes it is. most would say that. Right. So, no, like, so when we're talking about birth control, um, like, I would say if you are in a, a married kind of situation, having hopefully regular Congress with your spouse, um, that's a really polite way of saying what, it. Did you say leg- regular Congress? I said regular Congress with your spouse. Regular Congress. Wow. Yeah, feel, you should never have Congress with your spouse. I feel fancy now. Is that it in session? <laughs> That's, that's the new way of asking that. Oh, What's your vote? Session. Is it yay or nay tonight? <laughs> wow. I'm trying to like, you know, make a there's a there's a there's a point here somewhere. I'm sorry, what's your I'm point? looking for it. Uh, now when it comes to like contraception, like if if it's especially in a in a marriage kind of situation, like it's not like you're surprised that you're gonna be having sex. Right. So I don't think the morning after pill would be necessary in a marriage in a in a marriage situation. Yeah, I mean... Yes and no. Because the morning after pill only works for the first, what, two weeks? Yeah, I think it's two weeks. Okay, so by the time you know that your other means if you realize that like, it works, neither does the morning after pill. Okay. Right? I think, yeah. So, like, you'd be beyond the point where the morning after pill works before you realize you need it. And, I, I mean, and if you're not on any sort of contraception, you're probably trying to have a kid and you wouldn't want it. So, like, I'm not saying there's no situation ever where a couple might want to use it, but sure. I I don't know. Like, I don't think of the morning after pill as something a, a couple would really need or want to rely on. Like, it never crossed my mind to use it okay. once I got married. We'll put it that way. Right. You know, like, I, I was plan ahead is usually better than try and remember and to catch up afterward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And I think that from a moral standpoint, it is safer morally or more careful or more correct or whatever phrase you want to use for it to use preventive contraception than to use, sure, I'll use the trigger word, abortive contraception. Reactive or something. Yeah, reactive contraception. That's a more neutral word for okay. it. Um, Eric, seems like you had some negative opinions about this, like many things, because... You're Eric, but no, it's not that I'm like against the morning after pill per se. I just think that there's some connotation to the morning after pill. This is you're not really planning very well your life. Whereas if you're taking birth control or having condoms, you have a little bit more planning and thought. Whereas the morning after pill implies, oh shoot, oh shoot, oh shoot. <laughs> That's why I have a negative connotation to it. I, it's not that I'm against the morning after pill per se. It's just it's more that I'm against the mindset that we have to rely on that now because everything else we've totally forgotten about it's, it kind of shows a disrespect or not really i don't know how to put it in words it kind of i don't know I, I, does that make sense i, I kind of feel like you're, you're what you're doing is you're just 
playing with fire and then you're like, oh crap, I better get that. Whereas I'm kind of like, mm, if you want to be sexually active, you need to be proactive about how do you prevent having children without, if you don't want children. Or to put it a different way, if you're not ready to think about the possibility of having kids, you shouldn't be having sex. If you can't, right. like if you're not mature enough to go, okay, my body is physically ready to have sex. I've hit puberty. But you're not mature enough to think about the possible consequences of having sex with right. someone. You definitely shouldn't be having sex with them. Yeah. You know, like, let's pretend like I'm not Pastor Kevin and I'm just some random disembodied mind of ethics. You know, like, that just doesn't even make sense. Even if I'm totally in favor of premarital sex and it totally makes sense, that is a huge relational decision. That you, like, emotionally and cognitively, you're probably not prepared for if you're not prepared to consider the consequences of the action. Right. I guess that makes, yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, then again, I'm coming coming to this from a viewpoint that I'm pro-kid, pro-having a family, and I find sex very relational, so I would never be your one-night stand type of guy. So, I mean, this is, I mean, opposed to whoever is a one-night stand type of person. I don't know. Mark, you had a point or question? I was just really intrigued because you said something how it's not necessarily our decision. Which brings me to the question, is it wrong that pro-choice, pro-life argument is mostly dominated by men, us, when in fact discussion is related to a woman's body? That was just really interesting question. Interesting question, yeah. Uh, yeah, I and mean, that goes back a little bit to like what we were talking about, just saying like it seems ridiculous that 90% of the people who are probably saying that abortion is terrible and awful are the people who never have to experience any of the emotional, physical, actual, mental aspect of it. Speaking um, of mental, your, your question is very intriguing as well as obviously we're going to touch on the landmines just because I find this fun. Is abortion wrong in instances of rape? You have that question on here and that was really intriguing. <laughs> You just gave us that question with no preface or anything. It's such a heavy question. It is a heavy question, which is I'm really intrigued that it's on here. I mean, Kevin, we were just having this conversation. This is kind of what sparked this whole topic, honestly, because we were having It's my fault. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, But we were having this conversation that we were saying that, uh, you know, the church, for the most part, is not okay with abortion. Uh, But then I brought up the question, what about instances of rape? And, um, I mean, from my personal point of view, I, I, once again, like, do I have, I mean, what stance can I say? I mean, what does it matter what I say? I would say at that point, like, it's, it's totally up to the woman's choice. I'm not gonna, I mean, I would never probably, I'm not gonna judge anybody regardless if they have to make a decision like this anyway, but I just, I just don't know. I mean, I think it's wrong for you to say, if someone already went through something so traumatic as, like, as being raped, are you going to tell them that they, they absolutely must have this kid of this person that raped them? I, I, to me, that just seems not okay. Uh, but, I mean, I guess the argument is, dude, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I don't know that there is a good answer to answer that question. No, but it was on here, so I asked the yeah. question. I think I would rather talk about what good can come from a situation rather than who's wrong. Okay. You know, because like when you you pose this question to me, and that's you're right. That's probably why we're having this podcast right now. Right. Wish we'd have just had a microphone in the truck when we were driving. Back I know, right? 
then I wouldn't have to try and say it again. So I feel like I said it well then, and I can't remember what I said. But the idea that life is good, you know, like having children and protecting life is good, right? Like, so that needs to be a goal, right? Like whether or not that means that you're never, ever allowed to do anything else. Like, let's not think in binary terms here, but life and protecting life is good. And if you believe that the child of a, that, that is a product of a rape encounter. Mm. Again, speaking as a guy who would never have to make this decision. Right. If there were a woman who came to me and said she was in that situation, my first comment would not be about whether or not she's going to keep the child. Okay. My first thought would be emotional care. Has she reported it? Is she getting professional counseling because I am not a professional counselor? Has she told the people in her life that she cares about and trusts? Hmm. You know, like, those are all the first questions I want to ask. Is she being taken care of as well? Because if you're going to be pro-life and want to protect life, you have to remember that the, the mother is also is a every life. bit as important. Right, yeah. You know, and so ultimately, you know, the, the pro-choice movement is correct. It's, it is a woman's body. There hmm. are things that are being decided for her in a lot of situations and that i i don't think that's right for us to tell other people what they must do with their bodies i have really strong opinions about this that i'm trying not to just scream out into the internet right now and so there are things that i don't talk about from the pulpit right just like there are things i will not say on this podcast that I would probably look for a way to say, or at least ask questions leading people to that, if it were one-on-one with someone in the situation. My goal would be that the woman would decide to keep the child. That would be like what I would I would want okay. as a as a third party observer. I'm not sure how much guilt I would end up throwing or even how much disagreement I would end up throwing if there was a woman who just said, I can't do this, I'm not strong enough. Yeah. Okay. I think that's an okay answer. I don't know. It's an honest answer. It's not, it's, there isn't a good answer. I don't, there's not a good, it's a terrible situation. It's a terrible position to be in for the mother, for sure. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you can ever say that would ever make it okay, and I don't know what they could do to... I guess the last thing in my mind is the past judgment at this point. The last thing I would want to do would make the experience any worse than what it could potentially already possibly be. I guess that's the only way I would ever approach it if I was ever in that position. I don't know why I would ever be, but... I said that so much better in the truck. You did, you did a good job in the truck. <laughs> We'll pretend that what you said in the truck was on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Eric, what are your thoughts? Anything? Eric's gone. What, so, wait, what are my thoughts on uh, abortion? Or what, what was it? That, on, uh, if it, About the rape case? Yeah. The question um, is, is it wrong in instances of rape? Honestly, I, I feel like I can't... I don't know. See, now I'm... In one instance, I would say, yeah, I'm pro-life, and I think she should have the kid. But then another instance, I'm like, I also am pro-healing and pro, 
you know, it is kind of her choice. I don't dominate other people to make the right choice. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, because I think that second thing I just said, or the latter, I automatically lumped in the pro-choice category. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would, I would prefer if the woman had the kid, but I'm not going to hold it against her. I will definitely not judge her. Uh, but again, then again, I, I view sex as very, like I said, relational and like for someone to be violent about the whole ordeal and just take something from you, if you think that that way, then yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like it's in your thing, in your court for your decision. Um, I do know some women who've had an abortion and I mean, a lot of them do regret it, but I, I'm not trying to say that to sway my argument. I'm just saying that it's. I do know they're out there. I do know that it's a lot of, it's a hard, hard decision. And so for me to make a decision for everyone else seems kind of a little silly. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, and that's one of the issues I have. And like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely against abortion, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I, I think the pro-life movement, I think, they do it all wrong. That's the problem. I feel like because you can't, you can sit here and say what's right and wrong all day, but unless you're the person in that position, you don't know the emotions of that person. You don't know, like you, you can't present this idea that people are just going around carefree having abortions or something like that. It's, it's, I mean, like I said, I've, I've known a few people that have had abortions as well. And like, this, you know, 10, 20 years goes by and they're still struggling with that decision, the choice of that that they've made. So I don't feel like it's not fair to just, you know, put this judgment on people that they just, you know, they don't care about it or what have you. Not to mention, if you made it illegal or if you said, hey, what you did was commit murder. And let's say hypothetically we changed the law and said that, I mean, all these people, I mean, some of them would be grandmothers by now would have to atone and basically, you know, basically have to confess that they did it and be put in prison. I mean, I don't know. I think the whole situation is more complicated than, you know, us Whitey McWhiterson's put it out to be. Yeah. And quite, I mean, and do I know people who have abortions that are drug addicts? Absolutely. Absolutely I do. And yeah, do I think it's what they do is bad? Uh, yes, but it's just, I don't know. It's very complicated. Mark, uh, give us one or two more questions and we'll be done. So I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> Does family planning show a lack of faith in God's planning? Love of all that is holy, no. Yeah, I'm going to go with a solid no. Is that one a solid no, or is there something to debate here? I think it's a terrible question. I think it's a terrible question. <laughs> Who like, wrote these questions? <laughs> honestly, I was looking at that, I'm like, that... Hey, I just go online, I just look up questions related to the topic. I'm going to elaborate on why this is so awful. Can yeah. I do that? Yeah, you can Can elaborate. I just grab a soapbox and stand See, up? Say the question again. one more time so we can hear it. Does family planning show lack of faith in God's planning? Okay, inaction is not an act of faith. Doing nothing is not holy. Stop getting so stinking confused on this. Like... Somehow, people think, oh my goodness, I'm sick. I'm going to pray for healing and go see a doctor. That's not a lack of faith. <laughs> That's being smart. You know, like, it drives me up the wall that people somehow think that if you ask God to do something, you have to stop trying to get it done yourself. 
I knew this was a good question. Is that like the whole <laughs> the whole like uh, guy was drowning and God sent the life? Yeah, the little um, canoe joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually my favorite. Guy, guy dies, he drowns. God, why didn't you save me? I sent you ten boats, you genius. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like it, in that it is. Like we laugh at that joke because the guy is so stupid for doing that. And yet we have entire church traditions based around the idea of sitting on the house and praying and then refusing all the attempts that other people give to rescue you. Right. Like, it's it's stupid. And you want help? So, no. Could you be saying No, family no, planning is not a lack of faith in God's planning. No. No, it is not. <laughs> all right, one more question. I got a good one. I, I think we already answered all the good questions. I'll give, it, make, give, it a, give me a bad one. Okay, well... I know. <laughs> I was like, there's those are the only two questions we haven't really at or answered. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Well, we already kind of answered that. Are there circumstances that make abortion justifiable? I think we kind of answered that one in a sense. Well, there, there's one example that we did talk about or didn't talk about now that we've talked about in the past. Yeah. And that's like, there are instances where it is a life saving thing to perform what some really conservative people would call an abortion. So like if there are pregnancies that are developing in the wrong area, like ectopic pregnancies, you know, they're in the fallopian tube, they're not in the uterus. So they're going to burst the fallopian tube as the the embryo develops. So they're right? going to kill them. So they're going to do a lot of damage to the mother's system. The pregnancy is viable in something less than 2% of cases or something like that. You know, like it's it's just, it is a medically responsible thing to do as a life-saving measure, you know, to perform what many people would call an abortion, you know. And so that's, you know, like the Free Methodist Church, we talk about... Um, making that decision carefully with the advice of both a doctor and a Christian advisor. You mean we shouldn't just, you know, not do anything? Yeah, like, you should oh. do something. Oh, we should, oh. <laughs> wait, sorry, wait, 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 wait. I'm so wait. sorry about that. Being passive is not... I want to make this clear. Wait, are we repeating I want to make this clear for myself. <laughs> I want to make this clear for Eric and everybody listening. The Free Methodist Church took a stance on it. Is that correct? We <laughs> <laughs> took the stance that you should ask other people. Oh. <laughs> are you back just listening to me? Of course we took that stance. Come on. There is one other uh, aspect I would think about doing it as well. Um, I would consider even, and and this is where I feel like the topic really comes to shine, is when if the woman is going to have a a baby with a genetic abnormality that's really probably life-threatening and that'll probably kill the baby in two weeks, maybe in a few years, and it's going to be very painful for the kid. I mean, I know some people are like, well, maybe God will heal him, or maybe it won't be that 2%. Or, you know, so they say, let's let, put, put it in God's hands. But in fact, you're still acting like God by using him as a scapegoat. You're still playing the act of God. I'm confused by that question because also you could say that when you're about to have, like, this is probably a whole different topic, but I'm just going to mention it briefly, very briefly. Say a kid has, this is going to like kind of be sensitive, say a kid has cystic fibrosis. You know that the child is going to have cystic fibrosis. Sure. The child is only quoted to live till they're 10 or 9. And then all of a sudden when the child's 5, because in that area, 
there's more um, expanding in medical fields to prolong life with people who have cystic fibrosis and to extend their lives. Um, I feel like at that point, like, maybe I guess you would consult a doctor to see if, like, in that area that your child has something like that, in that area. Um, because, like, I know a few people that, like, was like, hey, you're only going to live to your nine. They're 20 playing sports and they're not supposed to or yeah doctor told them they're a walking miracle like i don't i'm kind of confused by that question a little bit i I got two two things to say about that one uh the doctors had said that my little brother would probably have spina bifida when he was born which means essentially you lose a lot of motor function below the waist you may not be able to walk that kind of thing um and he came out fine you know like he had it seriously looked like somebody had taken Play-Doh and just like plugged the hole. It was, hmm. it was weird, you know, and you know, my mom still tears up about it, you know, to this day talking about it. And so just because the doctors tell you that a kid is going to have a rough time and it's not going to be able to walk and all those things does not mean that's going to happen. Um, I mean, my brother is one of those kids. Um, right. Obviously, can and on top of that, things. even if you knew for certain that they were going to have some sort of like really serious health issue. Um, what we're advocating for is like preemptive euthanasia. Hmm. And I don't agree with euthanasia at all. Like uh, killing people to end suffering. Okay. You know, like you want to stop treatment, you know, okay. That that's your decision, but assisted suicide in any form. I, I I'm, I'm against that. And so I'm also against that before the child is born. Yeah, it, to me, they're the same issue. Eric, were you talking about only in, only in cases where the child's death was certain? Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Not, necessar- not necessarily. Um, but there have been cases where the parents did go with it and the doctor said, you know, this kid's got like 2% chance. They went with it because they believed that God was going to heal this kid. And nope, this kid went through horrible amounts of torture for two weeks and then died. So... It, either way happens, and I want to make it clear that, you know, just because you think one way is playing God and the other way is not, that's not true. Both ways are kind of playing God. You kind of just have to discern what God is telling you to do on this. And then, I mean, that's going to be, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but it, it is, <laughs> there's no other way. Like, Kevin just showed that his brother was fine uh, for all intents and purposes. All right. Well, and again, I, I want to be real careful. I almost didn't share that about my brother because I don't want people thinking that I'm advocating for, well, against that because my brother was fine and everyone else will be too. Right. Yeah. You know, like, that's not what I'm saying. The doctors are like, all wrong or something. I, I get, yeah. Or we don't I, believe I in that. medical science. Yeah. Like, I could have left that story completely out and it doesn't, it doesn't change my convictions. And I'm not even going to say like, well, everyone needs to think what I am because obviously I'm the most right person on the planet. But, like, I, I do believe that, you know, euthanasia, the killing for the purpose of ending suffering, I mean, we, we're pretty good at... We're not as good as we could be. I wish we were better. But we are fairly good at managing pain. I have absolutely zero problem with palliative care to the point where somebody is unconscious. Um, anything we can do to ease suffering, I'm in favor of. Mm-hmm. Short of euthanasia. Sure. You know, I'm not saying somebody has to be conscious through it. Oh, good night. No. Right. Um, but I mean, is that cliche to say 
life is precious, all life is precious. I mean, that too much. It's to cliche, say. but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. So I guess maybe that's a good way to approach it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're alienating a bunch of people or passing judgment by saying that. I don't know. I, well, let's put it this way: the the people that I have talked to uh, in the medical field who work around the dying, they're not the ones that talk to me about euthanasia and assisted suicide. And that doesn't mean there are, there's nobody in that field that talks about that and would advocate for that. I'm just saying that in my experience, when I talk with those people, they're not the ones who are looking for that help. All right. Uh, well, with that said, uh, I guess we're just going to wrap it up. I don't know. Okay. Who's Jackson Smith? I don't know. He does our music. He thanks, man. Guy. I appreciate you listening thanks, to us. Thanks for the theme song. We should send him an invite, like an invitation. To the show? Yeah. Have him call in. Yeah, yeah, have him call and be like, hey, listen, I, uh... Thanks for the theme. Thanks for the theme song. Uh, all right, goodbye. Maybe thanks. he wouldn't let us use it anymore if he knew what we actually talked about. <laughs> uh, anyway, subscribe to this show if you haven't on iTunes, Google Play. You know where. You probably already are, so why am I telling you this? I got a question, you know, we might have answers. Send them to one like equals one prayer at gmail.com. No. Come on, guys. Let's use the technology. We, we got have. tagged by someone in like Venezuela. Some rant. Oh yeah, my gosh, that. You, that was yeah. so awesome. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. I've been Josh Krause, your host. Eric, did you leave yet? No, I'm Eric Lutanti. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Mark guy. And I am Kevin Eccles. And as always, please share one like equals one prayer. <laughs>